Mate, now you have to be the most passionate Hawthorne football club man that I know. Where does the passion come from? Um, well, thank you for that. I, I, uh, I, I, I know I'm passionate, but the amount of people I bump into who I admire their passion, uh, I suspect it's pretty well spread. Uh, my, uh, my family um, history was that my, my father arrived from Austria um, for the 1956 Olympics. And very fortuitously for me, he set up, um, it was on a construction site and uh, one of his co-workers said, oh, what football team do you barrack for? And he sort of wasn't you know, aware of Australian rules at that stage. And they said, oh, no, 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 to, to acclimatise, you need to barrack for a, a Australian rules team. So for whatever reason, ended up barracking for Hawthorne. And, and even more fortuitously, he, he moved into, uh, he, he and my mum bought in uh, Hawthorne, just up the road from Glenfrey Oval, and um, consequently that that set in train the um, the connection piece that would become my love for the Hawthorne Football Club. So that's where it started, and then it became a shared passion with my brother. My brother was uh, three years older than me, and we uh, it was our shared passion growing up. And the Hawthorne Football Club was was it. Um, our games of football out in the backyard turned to local games for Hawthorne sits down at Victoria Road turned. To to going and watching Hawthorne play at, at Glenfree Oval. So that's that's how it all started. Yep. The passion runs deep. And you've been very involved in and around the Hawthorne Football Club for a very long time, haven't you? Look, I've been involved with footy for a long time. The uh, connection you know, with my, my local footy club, the great Hawthorne Amateurs, I, I was involved there as president for a number of years. Um, graduated to, to more and more involvement with Hawthorne, which started off becoming a Comfrey member. Comfrey is the, the largest and longest serving coterie of not only of Hawthorne, but the, also the AFL in terms of long standing. Um, and then that started to morph itself into other involvements. I was, I was very fortunate to be able to introduce Alistair Clarkson to a great mentor in life, uh, my uh, guy called Phil Gartside, who was chairman of uh, Bolton Wanderers. So that set up a connection with Alistair and Bolton, which, is, which has lasted for 15 years. Um, Mark Evans, the then general manager of, of Hawthorne, asked me to, to sit on the board of Box Hill and, and represent Hawthorne. So I've done that for the last 15 years. Uh, same time he asked my wife and I, would we be uh, interested in hosting young players who've come from interstate? And we've been doing that for the last 15 years. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I've been... Nothing's ever short term for you, Ed. Well... Minimum 15 yeah, to true. 20 for you. Yeah. Yeah, my wife mentioned to me that we're coming up for our 30th wedding anniversary next year. So that, that got away from me a bit. Um, the, no, long term. And, and, but, you know, I, so passionate, involved. But, gee, I've got so much more out of the Hawthorne Footy Club than I could ever put in. And I reckon that's all true of great footy clubs. Undoubtedly, the more you put in, significantly the more you get out. And uh, so it's not... It's not been a, a, a labour of love. It's not been a challenge. I've enjoyed, I've enjoyed every minute of it. I, you know, from the 2012 Grand Final wasn't necessarily one of the highlights, but it's been what a great ride. And any Hawthorne supporter, no matter what age, you have to be sort of under five, not to really have had a great journey with, our, with this wonderful club. It, um, the Conferreers, could you tell yeah. us a little bit about that in your journey with the Conferreers? Yeah, so... Um, once I uh, once I was in the position that uh, that work allowed me to to get get to the football a little bit more, I approached the club and asked them, um, you know, what what 
groups were there that perhaps I could join. And uh, that meant I, I caught up with uh, Peter Knights, which is a you know thrill in itself, walking mm. up and down Glenfree Road looking for a coffee shop with Peter Knights. I was I was desperate for people I knew to walk past me and say, "Oh, that's Knightsy." Um, so that that and, and and that connected me to the confreres and and we, my my uh, wife and daughter and I joined the following year. They, they um, they're one of the few coteries that actually say we we encourage children we encourage children members and that really attracted to me mm. uh, to it my, my daughter is a passionate well it's far more passionate than i am far more aggressive is she oh, oh oh god um which is great but but it meant that i was able to enjoy football with her so that was really important and and consequently that is 17 18 years later I remain a very passionate conferee member um, served a couple of years as president. They have one of the greatest rules of all time. You can only do two years as president. So just as you're starting to get worn out, you move on. Um, but I've stayed on the board. I would have said finding your feet. You, you stink of passion. I've known you for many, many years. Yep. You know the passion runs deep. Yes, yeah, it's interesting that the connections that we form with our clubs, you know, it doesn't matter what sport, you know, that passion is a real currency. Yep. It's one of the great uh, releases that we have in, in terms of in life, sport, yep. you know, yep. uh, watching, going, experiencing. But then the relationships that you form with the people that share the passion, yep. you know, which builds those connections. Because it feels like family. It feels like you're very much a, there's a fam, almost a family relationship uh, that, that you have with the Hawthorne Football Club. Now, we all know you can choose your friends, not your family. And you don't always disagree uh, and it, we don't always agree with your family. But you still love them. Yep. And I think that's sort of the, that's the, that's the essence though, isn't it? But um, clubs do have a captive audience. And I do know this for working with various professional football clubs over the journey with my own company, yep. that they have a captive audience. And they don't often get it right when it tra- reciprocating the love. So I think it's a big area for improvement, um, which we will touch on. Um, your uh, relationship with the Box Hill Hawks as well, that's a long-standing. You know, that's an unpaid role, Ed. Yep. All the ro- roles you've had have been unpaid. Yep. What yep. is going on? Well, we, uh, I, think we get, passion. I think we get um, uh, an $800 allowance per month when, um, when the boys move in. And we generally laugh about, particularly during pre-season, that takes up about the first week of eating. We're not quite <laughs> sure what happens in yes. the next three weeks of eating. Ah, yeah. oh, look, that's, I think when you're all in, Trent, you're in, all in, aren't you? Um, yes. yes. I, I've been, look, yeah. we've, we've been pretty fortunate from a um, professional career viewpoint that um, you know, we've, we've had some success on, uh, been lucky enough to have some success along the journey and it's enabled us to be less focused so on, on, on some of those things now and, and more focused on what are, are passion projects for us. And, and you know, there's other things that, that my wife and I do, you know, that, are, that aren't necessarily you know, brought to public attention that are supporting other groups. And we, we do, we purposely keep it, keep it quiet because it's, it's important to us. Um, so no, we, we, we've been blessed, Trent. We've been blessed with the opportunity that, that's been created for us by, you know, our families and, and, and then people who've supported some of my commercial initiatives, et cetera. So, I you know, I'm, I'm, this piece about giving back, I'm not quite sure about that. I just think you're on the journey and if you can help, you can help. And I, one, one of the things I most love about my involvement with Box Hill is I can play a little bit of that experienced old head who's got no vested interest, who's got no political angle, and I can just help 
the young people who bring passion and energy and intelligence. And I just can provide a little bit of experience and, you know, provide a bit of a guiding light to them. Um, so that, I really love that. It's the personal relationships that you you have formed over the journey yep. that seem to have that, there's such that, that affinity, that real strong connection. The passion is all connected through those relationships, which, which you know, I, I can completely understand. Um, yeah. This well, there's, uh, there's certainly an obsession, and you know, it's it, it, obsession is the word. Ed, as yeah, you're talking yeah. to me, I can see you. Yeah. I almost can see your face painted in brown, with brown and gold stripes. <laughs> like that's how crazy you are. It's an I, obs- um, passion. Oh uh, yeah, we would slash have, obsession. Yeah, we would have numerous family friends who would say never invite the Sills anywhere in September. Just don't, just don't <laughs> no. do it. Just don't do it. Now start second week of October. You've got a six-month window of opportunity. How did you fit that all in with your business ventures? Because I know you, um, but that's almost a hobby compared to the full-time job of working on your passion projects with the Hawks uh, from a business perspective. And how did you find the time to balance it all? Uh, so uh, I was um, so an accountant by trade, um, but was never going to be an well, accountant. Numbers man. Yeah, numbers yeah, man. I'm okay. I'm okay with my maths. Okay. Probably been a bit of a strong suit of mine over the journey, but not certainly not your atypical accountant. I didn't actually have the discipline to be a corporate accountant. It was just mm. not something that, that I was cut out for. But um, so I started my journey working for a company called uh, Locker, and they were a subsidiary of an English English company based out of Warrington. Um, started off as the, the accounts payable clerk uh, and sort of got opportunities within that business over the years to, to sort of move up to think assistant accountant, then accountant, then finance manager, and then finance director. And, and just as I was appointed finance director, there was a reverse takeover in the UK. And, and um, so the Locker Group at that stage was very family. It was whilst it was publicly listed, it was controlled by the Locker family. And there wasn't a great deal of energy at that point in time. So there was a, um, a reverse takeover of, uh, of Locker by a company called Penta. Um, and those, those guys came in with far more entrepreneurial, growth-focused aims. And, and you know, one of the greatest, luckiest times of my life I was introduced to a guy called Phil Gartside, who was the, was the chairman of the, the, the merged business. Um, and he arrived into to Australia with this great energy and, um, and you know, uh, great energy and great passion. For the first 12 months, I probably didn't have too much to do with him. Um, and he, he came down during a visit one time and he was wandering past my office and he sort of sat at the end of my desk and said, I, what, what would you, what, what's the biggest challenge you face? And I, I gave a monologue of one of the you know, issues that I thought was holding back the business. And he said, oh, okay, no worries. Anyway, he, he left and nothing, nothing particularly came of it. And it was about that time that they decided that they, they actually wanted to sell all their assets globally. So Phil came back to me and said, oh, Ed, would you be interested in, in teaming up with me to do a management buyout of the business? That sort of come from nowhere. So we, we did a management buyout and that then enabled us to do an industry roll-up. Um, and we went from sort of turning over $15 million and then within seven years, we were turning over $200 million. Um, yeah. And it was driven by, by Phil's remarkable energy remarkable intellect um I, he, he would he would create the sparks and i'd go and catch the sparks hmm. so um so that was a, a great great journey phil was also 
chairman of uh, Bolton Wanderers Soccer Club, uh, a Premier League uh, club over in England. And so that made my passion for Hawthorne a little bit easier to manage because he had this passion for Bolton. There you go. So you mm-hmm. know, we 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 unashamedly you know, managed board meetings and management meetings around our football involvements. And um, so yeah, so so we we went through that. Ultimately, then we sold out to a private equity company and ended up selling out to a, um, a publicly uh, based company in America. I stayed on with them for uh, seven years. They asked me to take over their Asia Pacific operations, which I did for, for sort of the last three or four years. But I, I was in, sitting in an um, airport in China and I uh, was sitting there for 11 hours before I could actually uh, board the plane. And I'm thinking, wow, well, no, no, it's time to, time to try something different. So, so back to your question, Trent, I was, I was fortunate that because I was... I was running the business from a relatively young age and always my chairman were either 11,000 kilometres away in England or 16,000 kilometres away in, in Omaha that, you know, I was able to manage my, my work and my passion. There, there was things that, you know, I, I would say there'd be a lot of good mates of mine who would say, well, we didn't really see you during your, your 30s and your 40s. And I you know, reflect back and that's probably fair. And I don't regret it, but you say, okay, how, how can we correct that? And I'm, well on the way to correcting a lot of that. Um, so something has to give. You've got yes. two, you know, you're, you're genuinely working properly and, and then you've got this other passion. You know, I, I really worked hard. I'd like to think that, that my daughter never missed out. I think our relationship would suggest that's, you know, she didn't miss out. Um, every now and again, I get a twinge going, oh, I did spend a lot of time overseas. But anyway, no regrets. And it doesn't matter if you've got any regrets, you can't change it. So, that's but true. Uh, so that's managed. True manage that as as well i think you i think the passion regrets, don't you? Yeah. no the passion flows into other areas though if you've got to have yeah. the passions yeah. yeah i remember you um we, we've traveled interstate together yeah uh you were all traveling for a very long time most weekends yeah yeah, yeah. that's full commitment full commitment i was just thinking while you were sharing that ed like the only thing you haven't that what would you trade for one game in the in the brown and gold nah no, I wouldn't do that to the Hawthorne supporters. I um, <laughs> one game, one game. I, I uh, pocketed. I very yeah. No, that's about the limit of it. I uh, I love playing. I, I love playing. Um, but I reckon any I, good? Nah, no, no good no at good. all. I, 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 so I still played up until you know, 26, 27. But hmm. yeah, I, I think it, it's a relatively new phrase. The a role player. I was a role player on a very ordinary side, so that probably gives you an indication of where I, where my football was. How would your teammates have described you as a player in um, a couple of words? Um, a good teammate. A good teammate. I was a good teammate. Reliable. Yeah, yeah. They knew I couldn't play, but you know, yeah. they knew I was a, a good teammate. Ed, you're taking your involvement with the Hawthorne Football Club to the next level in uh, running for a position on the board currently. What's, what's inspired you to, to put your hand up? Yeah, so if I perhaps go backwards a little bit on that, Trent, I, I had had approaches you know, over the, the last I don't know, 10 or 12 years to, to gauge whether I had an interest in a you know, more formal board role at Hawthorne and, and you know, my, my um, work commitment, uh, family commitment made that you know, just wasn't the right time um, and, and now that's, that's changed. So, so I do have that sort of the time commitment to put in. As a passionate Hawthorne person, you, you, you're always proud of our club and have been for ever since I can remember. Um, you know, 
going back to the days of uh, proud, passionate, and paid up. You know, when our mm. club almost folded and, and paid up. Yeah, yes. great, this, this great work to, to engineer a great comeback. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I think part of it is that success creates its own challenges. And sometimes success creates mm. in organisations um, a, a perception that success will always continue. The expectations, it. All those things. Mm -hmm. And my observation over the last few years that there's elements of the way our club is being governed that don't sit comfortably with me. Now, I, I, I will always share my views, and I've, I've shared my views with you know, a number of senior people at the Hawthorne Footy Club, and, and in most instances, they're very listened. They've listened. I can't say I haven't had an audience and I've appreciated it. It's been great feedback. But I would have to say, generally, they don't, don't, don't agree with my views. That's fine. But I'm passionate about my views. So hence, as this, this election arose and I could see that my views weren't necessarily held by senior governors at the club, it was, it was time to put my hand up to see whether enough members shared my my views and shared my passion and, and would, would enough people think that I have a role to play on the board. So that that's how this has morphed itself. It was not, not something that I really consider. I, I, I know I can contribute to the footy club in numerous ways and enjoy doing that. There's nothing I really, was no, I wasn't dying in the ditch on this one, but the more I saw of it, no, sometimes you just got to put your hand up and and, and see where that takes you. It's, uh, when it's your time to go, you go, Ed. Yep, yep, yep. you go. Let's talk about some of those views. First of all, start with Trent. There's so many things that are great and continue to be great about the footy club. I think the great the club's made some great decisions in their coaching appointments. I'm going to say that with Sam, but the, the depth of Sam Mitchell will take us a long time to actually get to the bottom of it. I'm so excited about the journey that he's taking the, the playing group on. Beck Goddard, AFLW, very, very similar story. Great, great journey that those those guys are taking us on. And the whole AFLW program, um, Josh Vandaloo, great operator. And, and, you know, I think we, we three wins in our first year and a very competitive side was a great outcome. So lots of good stuff going on. But the two areas that, that, that I probably felt most, I feel uncomfortable with are We've always taken a great deal of pride in both our success and being known as the family club. I think there's behaviours at our club over the last few years that mean that us, that the moniker of family club is now skewed. And I think we actually have to earn that right back. That's that's the first piece. Second piece is, is a little bit intertwined with that. Uh, there's undoubtedly, when you think about a football club as an organisation, particularly an AFL football club, the bedrock of our footy club is our members. And over the last 20, 25 years, the governors of our club have done a great job of building us up from having one of the lowest membership bases to six years ago, we had the largest membership base in the AFL. A remarkable, remarkable journey, a remarkable story. Over that period of time, however, we now, we've now dropped to sixth on the membership rankings. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm a great believer, Trent, in, in truth in numbers. And people will say, oh, Ed, haven't, you just, haven't we just had a record membership year this year? Yeah, we're still sixth. And we also had 6,000, just short of 6,000 AFLW members, memberships that got counted on top of it. So our numbers actually went backwards. Let's just mm. let's, mm. let's talk mm. truth. Yes. So when I look at that and go, 
okay, what does that mean? And, and the more I've spoken to people, hundreds of people, hundreds of people, hundreds of, hundreds of members, and it's, it's clear to me that there's a disconnect between the club and its members. And, um, you know, I, I, I suspect and it's hard for me to say it because it's, it's you know, our club, but I think the nature of our relationship with our members has been now uh, transactional. How can we yield out of their pocket? How can we get more for less? Um, and I think when you jump to purely a commercial view of the world, and, and, and trust me, Trent, in my commercial view, that's what we sat down and talked about. How can we get more from this customer? How can we deliver them slightly less but still have their custom? But I don't think that's how a football club should operate. The, the members of the football club actually are literally the owners of the football club. They're the stakeholders of the football club. And, and we shouldn't be measuring in yield. We should be measuring in engagement. And um, so th th that's really where my strong focus and strong passions lie. So I've, as you know, Ed, I've worked with a number of different AFL clubs in their membership and corporate sales over the journey, consulting to them, giving them advice, building things, helping them to, to navigate some of these issues. What is a loyal member? It's like, well, you ask them, well, they're, what's a... What's loyalty mean from a fan's perspective? Well, they're paid. So ultimately, if you are loyal, you are paying. You know, so that in, in lies problems because it's a, there is a transactional nature to that. As a business, you've got to have customers. Those customers yep. are typically paid members yep. as, as the second biggest revenue stream. Absolutely. But what, what we're finding now is this new generation. Where are our future members coming from? We know that there's a direct link between on-field success and off-field. If you look at, uh, I'm working with the Fremantle Football Club at the moment and oh. they're having record months <laughs> across the board because oh. they're feasting on success. Yep. So that's a big part of it. We love to win. And as members, we love to win and fans, we love to win. But then we're navigating into this murky world. Engagement is, is different. People are engaged on devices. They're not watching as much football. They're not going to as much football. So clubs really need to work harder to think about how are they genuinely giving value? Yeah. Because that extraction model of discharging membership fees and coming to games is probably not enough. Yeah. Uh, but we know that the, there's a captive audience there. We're not going to change. Members are not going to change teams in a hurry if they're not happy, but they're going to not come. They're not going to support. They're not going to show up. They're not going to pay. How do we fix some of these problems with engagement? So you, the, the environment that footy clubs uh, are operating and has changed. And that, that as the games become more professional, the opportunity for the players and the coaching staff and the timeframes that they've got to actually interact with their, their members and supporters has dropped off significantly. That's just a sign of the times and, and, and you know, we can't roll that back. When I was my, my very poor junior footy clear, career, I still vividly remember I would have been 10 or 11 playing down at uh, Vicky Row, Victoria Road in, in Hawthorne. Most people would know it's just, just behind the G-Bung. And um, they, about five minutes before we ran out, we got a knock on the door and in work walked uh, Robert Dippier Domenico, the big dipper. It's great. What excitement. And, and Dipper came in and go, boys, <laughs> you know, I've been speaking to your coach and he said you've had a really good week on the, on the track. And he goes, look, I know these guys next door, they're pretty good, but I'm really confident. I reckon you can win. And there was this roar of acclamation and we're all excited. And, I mean, it was a bit, you know, a minute later we heard a knock on the door and he'd gone, gone into the opposition room and go, I've been talking to your coach and I think you can win. Anyway, um, but this engagement with Dipper 
was just fantastic. And, and back in those days, players would come to your training sessions and, and players would come to your games and, and come to your schools. We've lost that and it's really dangerous. It's really dangerous. I, I, Role I, model I, said. I won't take you too much. Mm. So, so back to some of the original questions, we should be thinking 20, 30, 40 years out with our membership because the five-year-old um, kid going to school today is in 20 years' time, or 30 years' time, our rusted-on, long-standing Hawthorne member. And we need to be targeting aggressively in that area. The, the male participation rate in Gippsland the footy, underage footy, has dropped off significantly over the last 25, 30 years. And the people down there will say, because it's the lack of school programs. Mm -hmm. Lack mm -hmm. of players going into schools and, and yeah. um, encouraging and creating that atmosphere. I, I was chatting to an executive from Southeast Melbourne, Phoenix, and asked him, well, how are you growing your memberships? He said, oh, we're going into school and schools in Gippsland. And I yeah, really, there you go, fantastic. So... It's got to be legacy, legacy, legacy. Now, the legacy of a footy club, legacy of a board, legacy yeah. of an executive, legacy of the playing group should actually be the growth of members, the growth of membership. So there's the, there's the attracting them and bringing them into your club, and then it's making sure that their, their value creation for them is above what they're, they're able to pay. That, that's any customer. You want them to say, gee, I get more than what I pay. What a, what a great now. For a long time, as a Hawthorne supporter, we've got significantly more, significantly yes. more than what we pay for. No, yes, no I agree with that. Argue, no one can argue with that. No. But right now, um, and you know, my, even my phone today was talking about you know, the 5% increase in membership costs for next year. Uh, and people are saying, well, okay, I've got a seven-game membership. I can't get to a number of the Sunday games. Actually, it's only a three- or four-game membership. Etc. So I'll listen to that and go, okay, we've got some problems here. Are they solvable? Probably most are, but some aren't. Mm. But we shouldn't take our eyes off the ball. What, what, what does, where does the value creation piece come for, for football membership? Match day, pretty obvious. And then, then it starts to obviously recede down the effort, but, but engagement, engagement with the players, a little bit of time with the players. Um, so... Trent, I mentioned that you know, we had um, John Newcomb live with us uh, uh, for about 12 months. What a, just a ripping, ripping young fellow. After the first game of this ripping year. Ripping young player too. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I thought we'd be, I thought he'd be okay. I didn't think he'd be this good, um, but I'm not, clearly not a talent scout. We love him. My boys love him. Oh, oh, I'm not surprised. So after the first game, we beat North Melbourne and I always pay interest to watch where the players go. And I think they do a great job of, Know, handing out the footy and, and patting the, the little, I think that's a great initiative that most clubs do. But I said to um, I said to Jai after that, I said, oh, just be worthwhile. Instead of running to the goal square at the other end of the ground and handing the football and going back, why don't you just sort of work your way around the boundary because there'll be a lot of kids that won't mm. get exposure to. So we beat Geelong and he came down and handed his footy out and then he started working backwards and, and just high-fiving and having selfies. Um, in the end, he took about three minutes longer than any other player. They're all waiting for him. But I said to him after that, there's probably 20 or 25 kids who walked home that night and said, John, you can be my favourite player. Mm -hmm. And light touch, but massive, mm. massive outcomes. Don't underestimate the power of that. Like, uh, taking back a little bit, Ed, you know, the role modelling. Where are our future generations learning? Yep. TikTok. 
God help us. Sports, doesn't matter what sport, have always been in this country great role models for kids. Yeah. I want to be like Pat Cash. I want to be like, you know, Kathy Freeman. Yeah. You know, and that sort of creates that bridge of hope. You know, um, what's the alternative now? No role models and I'll go onto TikTok and I'll go onto the Xbox. Look, that might be okay, you know, for some. Yeah. But I think we really are in need of, we have to keep investing in our future generations. Yeah. I think that's a really, really big part of, you know, uh, when I look at these clubs and I've worked with NRL clubs as well, I'm always fascinated to learn, is your whole business model set up to extract or is it set up to invest? You know, these conversations around profit per member, are we increasing that? Um, you know, I've sort of, in my world at Boom, it's about acquisition and retention, win and keep. And sometimes the keeping is a lot harder than the winning because expectations change, markets change, you know, things change. So you've got to keep working hard to under, not only understand your customer, but keep them happy. You know, and I think that's a really big challenge for a lot, a lot of clubs. But this investment piece around future generations is, you know, I go to the football ed with my boys. Right. And I deeply offend some people because I often get asked to go to corporate events and uh, I'll get to ask, I would rather, to be honest, sit with my boys in the rain, or preferably under undercover ed, than go behind the glass at a, at a conference. That's just me because that is the most precious, precious time I have with my boys because they absolutely love it. Yeah. And they are not happy when the Hawks play in Tassie, I can tell you. Because right. that takes a home game away. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. that's another thing that it's I'm personally not happy. My boys are not happy about. But no one's going to talk to them. They're uh, 15 and they're, they're uh, 11. Yeah. But maybe the club should be talking to the kids. It, what are the a, kids? It's, kids it's will a, tell you what they want. Yeah, they will, won't they? It's a fascinating way to view it, uh, Trent, because they are the future 30, 40, 50-year members, aren't they? Yeah. You know, do... do do we engage with those guys? Well, clearly not. Um, if, it, if it was, yeah, if, if it was a commercial world, you'd be talking to them, wouldn't you? Um, but Maybe because we see that they're under eighteen for some reason, we we diminish what their passions and what their outlook are. We we know we're, we're talking among. You know, we sort of think from the same hymn book with our passions for the Hawks and yeah. the amount of pleasure we've gained, and we've got a lot more. Um, back, I think, over the journey. But yeah. um, I do get disappointed when I get a call from the club and it's not to see how you are, how you're going. You missed a lot of games last year. You know, how do we get you back? Um, how are the boys going? It's wanting to sell you a raffle ticket. Yeah. It's a classic example of that extractor model or just a lack of understanding about, hey, are we really listening? Do we Are we demonstrating care? Because perhaps the club does care. We know that. It's a very well-run club. It's been very successfully run for a long time. It does care. Yep. But what are we missing? Because the world's changing rapidly around all business, not just the sporting clubs. They're not competing with, as the Hawks are not competing with Carlton in terms of membership, but they are competing with basketball. They're competing with other sports. They're competing for eyeballs. They're competing for engagement. Yep. You know, um, So it's great to have someone like yourself, so wedded to the club, you know, yeah. <laughs> you're not trying to extract anything other than wanting to improve the club. Yeah. And I think that's powerful. The more people that we have at that table, the better the club will be moving forward. People are, ha- are helping me with 
my campaign always whack me over the head when I say, look, the worst thing that can happen is if, if, if I don't get enough members to vote for me is that I remain a passionate Hawthorne person. That's the worst thing that can happen. So, you know, this is a, yeah. we throw the stumps, but, you know, I, I, I've got nothing to lose here. I'm, I remain at the, at the service of the, the great Hawthorne footy club, as, as I think we all should. You know, there should be, as I keep saying, you get so much more out than what you put in. You've had a lot of offers to to become a board member over the journey. You've had various opportunities to do this. Yep. And now you're choosing right now as the time that fits with your commitments and outside of football. The timing is right and it's, there's also a genuine opportunity to help. The stars have aligned. You know, I, I, there's two conversations I have to have when, when I wanted to pursue this. First of all was with my, my wife and daughter. Um, and, you know, they, they, they were nervous about, well, is, is there any blowback here, Ed? And I said, well, there, there could be. But, you know, I had long conversations with Peter Nankerville about it. And he said, you know, Ed, you're a Hawthorne person. This is We're going to go to an election. Let's not kid ourselves. But you're a Hawthorne person and you always will be okay. So I felt comfortable with that. And then I, you know, most people would know I've got a, a relationship with Sam, Sam Mitchell. And I just said to them, look, if you have any reservations, about this, let me know, and I won't. I won't do it. Um, and he said, "Oh." So we had a great, great conversation, chatted our way through it, and he said, "Look, clearly I can't endorse you." I said, "No, no, that's the last thing you can do." Um, but I endorse you to uh, I, that, that you've got the right to run. But like that's all. That's all we. And, and so that's mm. sort of the end of the conversation. So once I yeah. ticked those boxes and understood and spoke to my business partners, and they understood, they. Funnily enough, we're all Hawthorne. Who would have thought? Um, we're all Hawthorne people. Um, yeah, that 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 once once that all aligned, it was the opportunity was was there to, to mm. do it and have, hopefully do it properly. I'm always fascinated that when I go and work with these clubs, there's not a stronger link between what's happening on the field and the infrastructure and the commercial site. Yeah. It's like there's a disconnect. The team are talking about trademarks, values, behaviours, living an elite lifestyle, work, you know, uh, sacrifice, doing all the things that to get the best out of themselves as a team, but doesn't often flow into the commercial side of the business. Sure. They don't have those visions. They don't have that those values. Yeah. You know, so for me, my confidence in the club, confidence in where the club's going as a, a future direction is going to be enhanced if there is somebody internally that is generally driving what's best for the member because someone has to be thinking about that now i think um it's a key I think, role yeah i i think it would be unfair to say people aren't thinking about it but there's a big difference between what you think of about 10 o'clock on a monday and what you think about at three o'clock on a friday and member satisfaction and growth and development should be a 10 o'clock on a monday conversation it should mm, always mm. be that way. Once you, if, if whatever the foundation of your football club is, whatever the bedrock of your football club is, that must be your primary conversation, your primary focus. As soon yes. as you deviate from that, yeah, then that will start to crumble. Yes, I agree. I agree. Think about that link between on and off field. Yeah. If yeah. you, uh, if the team is jogging off at uh, after the game, Ed, no one's talking. They're smiling. They're having a bit of a joke. Obviously, that raises eyebrows. But we do know the world's changed and some players are, you know, are happy um, whether or not they lose or win. <laughs> uh, I don't subscribe to that. I'll get very angry. 
this we're losing if we're losing a member question what is the next best action to losing a member you know that that sort of question has to be asked because if you are losing then obviously we there must be feedback there must be a feedback loop we must understand why we must learn so if we're losing members why and what is the next best action to losing them because at the why they're why we're losing them might give us a lot of information around how we can improve things undoubtedly Um, I I don't know the actual number anymore, but it used to be about a 10% churn rate on members. Yes. Um, And I I don't know if if that's consistent elsewhere. It always struck me as a really big number. Um, You know, in in Hawthorne's terms, that's sort of 7,000 members somewhere in that region who don't renew. You know, I I would assume that... That's a lot of people. But it's a lot of people. What's best practice? Best practice is to understand... What are the key two or three themes from as many of those seven thousand members as possible? That's just best practice. I, I, I've never heard a conversation talk about saying, "Well, here's the things that were identified as being really important for the people who have left our club." Yeah, yeah, that and that compounds annually, Ed. Every year. So what is that? What's that number over ten years? Yeah, that's right. So, yes. So you think about like any any organisation, it's. Uh, you, you, you know, you talked about um, new customers. Um, I, I was always looked at about you know, how do you retain, how do you retain and mm. renew yep. has been so critical for, for our organisation. If, if we could, the amount of less work we'd have to do if we could retain all bar 2%, sort of a natural mm. attrition rate. Yeah. Um, and, you know, imagine how you could divert your, your focus and your attention elsewhere and think mm. about growth opportunities. You you reduce that churn rate. Now I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of smart people at Hawthorne, and I'm sure they they have a focus in that area. But I've certainly never ever ever seen some data to say of the seven thousand members who didn't renew, here's the three hot topics. Well, yeah, it's customer advocacy, isn't it? We yeah. talk a lot about customer love, yeah. and you can't do much without customers. We know as a club we can't do much without members. Yeah. yeah. But who's giving the love? Who's generally putting the, the member first? Who has that as their mandate? Who's yeah. driven by that, you yeah. know, uh, every day, all day, every day? Mm-hmm. And how are we investing back yeah. into our members? Okay. Great questions, really good questions. And I think it's a question for every club. Yes, it should be. Yep, it should be. Yeah. And obviously the world's changed as well. So, again, we yep. can indeed be asking more questions, not less. Yeah, so, so I, I wondered... Hawthorne's got a, um, you know, set up a great foundation that um, works towards future-proofing the club. And I was, and I, I don't, it might go on, I actually don't know. I wondered, part of their their profit each year, that really should be set aside, I think, to membership growth. So take it out mm. of the normal runnings of your, your profit and loss of your business, because that, that, that means you're, you know, focusing on your PL clearly makes you invest less. That's just how it is. How, yes, do, we, yes. how do we say every year we're, we're going to invest X amount of profit from that part of our club into whatever the, the resource deployment is that improves that outlook? Yes. I, don't, I don't know. But unless you're, unless you're so concentrated on that investment and that growth, it just won't happen. We, 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 we would sack a coach. If he took us from first to sixth continually, we'd sack the coach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, who's ultimately accountable? 
Yeah. Yeah. Who's ultimately accountable should be the one investing. It's really interesting. If we if you think about if it was a club was new, like was the Gold Coast or less mature club, what would it be doing to attract members? Yeah. You know, I mean, that's the sort of my growth mindset, isn't it? Like, what would we be? What would Hawthorne be doing? Yeah. If it was uh, three years in, right? And why just flip it around and say, okay, completely stop flip thinking it about ourselves. Yeah, stop thinking about ourselves of an entrenched, successful club. How do we re-engineer that hunger for growth? I reckon why do businesses plateau? Sorry. Why do businesses plateau? Because they stop doing the things that got them to where they are. Same with a team. Someone said to me, oh, Ed, you're comparing. So, so in the last six years, we've been the poorest performed membership growth club in Victoria. And, and someone said to me, oh, yeah, but you're comparing it from a high point. I go, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure most organisations have record years and say, oh, well done. That's, we've done enough now, don't they? It just doesn't. It doesn't. It shouldn't be how it plays out. Mm. It just shouldn't be. Coming yeah, back yeah. to Gold Coast and GWS, you know, most of this is not really complicated. Those guys would be in primary schools through those regions. like Acquisition mode, guys. Ed. Yeah. They're in acquisition yeah. mode. Absolutely. Investing. Every, every Investing. Yeah. Investing. There yeah. are, I, this is, when I work with an organisation, Ed, I won't sprinkle too much boom stuff in here, but if yeah. I've worked with a business that's been established for 20 years to fill the top of their funnel, they're always looking for new clients. My question yeah. is why, what about retention? Yeah. Like you've got diamonds in the backyard. There are diamonds in the backyard. There's a long history of success at Hawthorne Football Club. How many of those 7,000 that drop off annually, if that's the number or thereabouts, that compounds over 20 years. A couple of hundred thousand diamonds in the backyard. Now, they're not going to be supporting another football club. We know that. That, That's a huge growth opportunity because that's retention. In a big call centre, Ed, we work with them. There's usually three layers of retention. <laughs> like this, they literally keep calling you until you sign until you, until you sign back up and yeah. give you different offers. They're really aggressive. That's an interesting one. How are we fighting hard enough for our to retain our members? Yeah. And who's ultimately accountable for that? That's going to be you, Ed. Well, <laughs> you think about the your, your point about don't lose a member to another club is so relevant. You sit there and go, oh, hang on, this is not normal customer churn there where you know, they, they, they have another uh, another supplier come up with a, you know, a really initiative, great initiative, you know, 10% price down or pay us in 120 days or whatever it is. You're not actually competing. Mm. You know, yeah. This is, for some reason, they're no longer in love with the Hawthorne Footy Club. Okay, well, that's, that's actually on us. That's on us. Well, yeah, and we could rely. We know that they'll come out of the woodwork when the team starts winning, because it does drive. There's a correlation between on-field and off-field. But what is the opportunity cost? Because yeah. that's to yeah, me sure. that that is to me. If you look at, I'm going to say this on the record, Ed. Yep. There are tens of thousands of paid members waiting to be activated, reactivated. Yeah. I'll, I'll yeah. put my. I'll, I'll. I'd like to get some data on that. Absolutely. The volume and the, the potential revenue, but the potential future engagement is significant. Because I see this with lots of companies we work with. Yeah. It's it's probably a frightening number. Yeah, I, I, undoubtedly. Undoubtedly. So that's, that's a very exciting opportunity. Like personally, my own view, Ed, would be we shouldn't really be looking to extract from kids. I'm sorry, I hate that. I hate extraction models from kids. 
I get asked to do fundraising for various clubs. My first question is that let's go to sponsors first. Why are we looking to charge the kids more? Look at the NPL soccer, two thousand, two and a half thousand dollars to play NPL under the 14s. Seriously, club, go to your sponsors. You know, why are we taking is money in, from is the that kids? Endemic in, is that endemic in soccer? Because a lot it of is in this country, do, not yeah, in overseas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why we're where we are. That's looking to be changed, but who knows how long that's going to sure. take. But, yeah, let's not extract from the kids. Let's seek to uh, first to understand. Yeah. Sam corrected me on that one. Uh, I thought it was my quote, but um, I, I think that's such a relevant issue. I think the AFL's done well with their Oz Kick programs over the years, um, and you know I, I, everyone I've spoken to. Oz Kick is the best, best, best practice, right? Junior development, I think, don't you? Uh, so I never had it. My, my daughter didn't go through Oz Kick, so I don't know yeah. it. All I can talk to is my friends and and how passionate they are about it. And I can and and the flip side is how many friends have I mine who's Kids have gone to soccer and they've come back and said, oh, this is pricey. This mm. is really pricey. I think um, there's a massive, uh, huge opportunity, a future fund, yep. is the kids. Yeah. That is the future fund, Ed. It's, Jesus. It's, it's the, the, um, the strategy here is not difficult, is it? So this has been an enlightening conversation, Ed. I would say if, if what I've had to say today and, and through the other various communication means that if it resonates with you and you, and you feel that I can add something, first of all, please vote. That's going to be really important. Um, voting forms will be emailed out next Friday uh, to uh, to everybody, which I think is the, uh, the 18th, from memory, 18th or 19th, something along those lines. And then you've got three weeks to vote. I would urge you to, to vote as soon as you, you uh, get the opportunity and, and hopefully tick uh, box and can i also ask that perhaps you you speak everyone's got their hawthorne coterie of people that they either go to the football with or talk about can i ask you to, to perhaps if they don't know me you know there'll be some social media posts that they can get you'll also see on on the various facebook sites etc there'll be a mobile phone number please give me a call i'm happy to happy to talk to you about my concerns um or like so you know if if, if this program resonates Please share. Please talk to as many people as possible. It's very much a grassroots program here. I'm, I'm targeting the members for these conversations and I you know, really appreciate any support that can be provided. So it's a really interesting topic to me, one I'm passionate about. Love chatting with you about this as well, Ed, and, and hopefully we see you active in the Hawks there in the not-too-distant future. Fantastic. Really appreciate your support, Frank. Trent is the Managing Director of Boom Sales, Australia's number one sales training and development company. If you'd like to accelerate your sales growth and profitability, go to boomsales.com.au.